unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, it's good to be back. How are you doing today, man? Oh, pretty good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Always fantastic when we get together. Uh, What are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about the other kind of stories, the non-heroes journey stories that work incredibly well when you're writing copy, doing a sales pitch. Awesome. Well, I know that we're pinched for time and you've got a lot to get through today. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with this, that any experienced successful salesperson, and I consider copywriters salespeople, you know, we we say we're salespeople behind a keyboard, behind a typewriter. Well, they don't have typewriters anymore. Computer keyboard, keypad, whatever. Um, They know the single best form of selling is demonstration. And a couple examples, what a demonstration looks like in real life. Savvy car dealers will let qualified customers, qualified prospects, take a new car home for the weekend before they actually buy the car. And it's the same reason, really, that internet marketers offer a $1 trial for the first month or the first two weeks or the first seven days so people can sample their product or their website through demonstration. And they know when people get to try out what they're selling, a lot more of them will buy if there's a no-risk opportunity to have that demonstration. It's even why pet stores let people take home a puppy they're interested in. They let them take a puppy home for the weekend. And in sales, there's a term based on that, hands-on or maybe called a pause-on demonstration. (laughs) It's called the puppy dog close. So oddly enough, this may seem revolutionary to some people, but you can get your prospect to demonstrate your products for themselves without ever letting them touch or even really see the the product in their hands by telling them what I call demonstration stories. That's what we're really going to talk about. Demonstration stories. Prospects get to try out your product in their imaginations. And how to do this, how to create and use stories, this is known by some of the best marketers and salespeople, but I have to say it's virtually unknown to everyone else. And if you don't know what they are, we'll turn all of that around today. Nice. Yeah. Now, let me give my friendly reminder. Copy is powerful, and that's why I'm going to give you some really powerful new strategies today. And then you, person listening to this, you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you're making extreme claims and if you're writing for offers in a highly regulated industry like health or finance or business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review by a lawyer who really understands copy and FTC regulation and all the rest after you write and before you start using the copy. All of my Larger clients do this. So that's the friendly reminder. Now let's get back to demonstration stories and and other tiny little stories that really pack a wallop. And by that, I mean, for the small number of words, you get a disproportionately high payoff. How? Um, Well, it all boils down to a simple phrase, advancing the sale. These little stories, they advance the sale in your copy. And they do this by getting more customers to want to learn about what you're selling and then to try it out more than they did before they heard the tiny little story. 
Uh, is that making sense? Am I talking in too abstract a way? It makes sense to me. So I guess uh, my question would be, how do you get your prospect to imagine experiencing the benefit of your product without ever actually having used the, pro- the product itself? Because it seems like that's what you're kind of getting at. Yeah, it is. And it's a great question, too. Um, let's start talking about imagination first, and then we'll get into how we get to engage the prospect's imagination around, through, with, inside, outside of the product. The great artist, Pablo Picasso, said, everything you can imagine is real. Now, that was easy for him to say. I mean, when he died in 1973, he had an estimated net worth of $500 million, which would be about $2.8 billion today. And in June, on June 21st of 2016, a painting he did in 1909 called Fama Seas, which means woman sitting down, sold in an auction in London for $63 million and change. And I'm not bringing up these numbers to make the point that he was or was not a great artist. It's obviously a matter of individual taste. What I'm saying is when someone can dream up an image, put them on canvas or, or even on a napkin and, and sell that image for big bucks, it's easy for him to say everything you can imagine is real, right? <laughs> You can be skeptical about that. But Picasso was right in this way. If you imagine doing something or seeing something or hearing something vividly enough, at a certain point, your mind really cannot tell the difference between what you just imagined and what actually happened or never happened, because it just seems that real. And that's important for the kind of stories we're going to talk about today. These stories are designed, they're engineered, they're finely honed to get your prospect imagining, enjoying one or more of the benefits that's important to them, benefits of what you're selling. And they imagine it in such a vivid way that they actually feel like they experienced it. Then when they realize that they don't have, they don't literally own or have access to or are not engaged with what they just imagined having, they will want it all the more. Now, we'll get back to that last point about when they realize they didn't have it that makes them want it more um, a little later, a few minutes. But right now, let's let's look at some of these stories, see how they work, that get the customer imagining benefits, okay? So these are from a full-page ad in the National Enquirer that's been running for at least a year and a half. I know that because I saw the same ad a year and a half ago. It's probably been running longer. This ad is for a product called Jitterbug, and Jitterbug is a cell phone designed especially for seniors who do not want complicated, sophisticated smartphones like iPhones and Android phones. Probably seniors who get really pissed off at 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who (laughs) use them like they were an appendage that they were born with. Okay. Now, I'm going to read you some paragraphs, really short paragraphs. Two sentences, three sentences, four sentences. These paragraphs appear in the ad, and each one of these paragraphs, two, three, four sentences, each one of these paragraphs by itself is a complete story that gets the prospect not only to experience the benefit of the jitterbug, they also tell a wonderful mini before and after story contrasting the storyteller's frustration with an old difficult phone compared to the delights and the ease of a new one And the reader can identify with it. The reader can step into the shoes of the writer telling the story. Let me, let me, let me show you one. So the first one, it starts out in quotes. 
one sentence. Cell phones have gotten so small I can barely dial mine, close quotes. That first sentence comes from a person, again, just like the prospect, but it's talking to the prospect and it's in quotes. And after that first sentence, cell phones have gotten so small I can barely dial mine, come three sentences in the same paragraph. Not the jitterbug flip. It features a large keypad for easy dialing. It even has a larger display and a powerful hearing aid compatible speaker. So it's easy to see and conversations are clear. Nathan, wow, that's an incredible story right there. Four sentences. And here's like the template for that story. I had this problem. Problem was the phone was so small I could barely dial it. And then Jitterbug offers a solution. Large keypad, large display, powerful speaker that works with hearing aids. I mean, imagine you had a hearing aid and your cell phone didn't work so well with it. That alone might close the sale. Just that sentence, hearing aid compatible, right? Yeah, and it it immediately speaks to the problem that the audience reading it has and immediately offers a solution very succinctly. Right. This is music to their ears. I mean, you know, and, and I know my girlfriend's parents aren't entirely keen on, on their smartphones. Uh, in fact, I think one of them went back to a flip phone and, and they're in their, their seventies, early eighties, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it covers the waterfront in four sentences on problems that they already have and know that are bothering them. Let me give you another example. Cause this is, this ad to me is like the perfect, perfect, uh, demo, perfect example of of these kind of mini stories, these demonstration stories. Here's another one. Quote, I had to get my son to program it. Close quote. The copy from the company follows like this. So it says, I had to get my son to program it in quotes. And then it says, your jitterbug flip setup process is simple. We'll even program it with your favorite numbers. Yeah, I mean, try and get Samsung to to program your droid for you, right? <laughs> How, you know, what, what are you going to have a, a series of emails back and forth to Korea? I mean, it's just nothing nothing wrong with Samsung. It's just not what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, third, uh, quote, what if I don't remember a number? Close quote. Friendly, helpful, personal operators are available 24 hours a day and will even greet you by name when you call. I, I think this is before your time and my time, Nathan, but I think it used to be that the operators at the phone company would actually know who was calling, especially in a small town, and they would greet them by name when when they called the operator for some help. So this is very, very clever. I mean, brilliant marketing on their part. It's like old-fashioned phone that happens to be a cell phone, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it very much puts all of the concerns that the potential reader would have at ease. Exactly, and in in six short paragraphs, just like the three that I've I've shared, including those three, uh, that's ninety percent of this full page ad, which has been running for fifteen months. So it must be working. Mm-hmm. And and here's the structure. Here's the um, the formula, the template, if you will. Uh, first, the objection, in quotes, that most prospects have about their phones. Then, the description of how Jitterbug is better and different. Then, just that objection and that description by themselves, two, three, four sentences, all, that little paragraph gives the prospect the experience in their own imagination of this new phone. And, and to sum up, it's 
a complete story like this. It was like this before. It's like this now. This is much better than it was. <laughs> Neat, right? I mean, it's it's just too darn simple to be to work, except it does. It it does work. I mean, and if you keep your copywriting ears tuned when you're not listening to this podcast, when you're not working, when you're at Starbucks or in a waiting room or um, on the train or on a plane or wherever you are, just in normal life, you'll notice people will talk that way. They'll say, they'll complain about something and then they'll get excited about how they fixed it. Like that makes them a hero, right? So it's completely different from the hero's journey story. So that that's one type of demonstration story. And a very powerful, very effective, very easy to do. I mean, can you see how it's easy to do, Nathan? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a simple three-part story structure. Yeah. Now, let me give you something else. This is an actual direct mail letter. Very short. It's a very short letter. I can read it to you in a minute or two or three. And this ran for over a decade. It's by A-list copywriter Richard Armstrong. I had to arm wrestle him at the Palm Restaurant, which is his favorite restaurant in Washington, D.C., in order to get permission from him uh, to use it. Now, I'm not going to say whether I won or lost, but I did get permission. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll read this. Now, this, this was for Kiplinger's Personal Finance, or Kiplinger. I've never known how to say that man's last name. But... Um, and it, it was a control for a year and a half and it's a story. Listen, dear friend, my aunt Jane is rich as sin and nobody in my family can figure out why she worked as a librarian her whole life. Her husband who passed away a few years back was a tool and die maker. They never earned much money in their lives, but boy, were they ever smart with what they had. There was a little vacation home that they picked up for a song and wound up selling for $250,000. Some well-chosen stocks that grew in value over the years, mutual funds, municipal bonds, treasury bills, even a vintage Volkswagen Beetle that's worth more now than the day they bought it. Nowadays, my Aunt Jane, who we always thought was just a little crazy, is a bona fide millionaire. One day, I asked her for the secret of her success. I have three rules, she said. One, never let your money sit idle. Two, never pay more than you have to for anything. Three, never pass up anything that's free. Well, my friend, unless you return the enclosed card today, you're going to break at least one and probably all three of my aunt's rules. Because if you return the enclosed card, you'll get a free issue of Kiplinger's Personal Finance, rule number three. If you decide to subscribe, you'll get the next 11 issues at a very low price, plus three free bonus gifts, rule number two. And instead of spending the rest of your life working for money, you'll put your money to work for you, rule number one. I know my Aunt Jane wouldn't pass up a free sample issue of Kiplinger's Personal Finance magazine. But of course, she already subscribes. Best regards, Richard Armstrong. Nathan, that's short. It's brilliant. It's less than 300 words. Now, you might say, well, wow, that's, that's quite a story. And it is. But it's not a hero's journey story. Just 
you know, from our last episode, we talked about the intricate, detailed, historical, neurobiological structure of the hero's journey story, right? Mm -hmm. So how would this have gone as a hero's journey story? Well, when we open our story, Aunt Jane graduates from an archivist program with a degree in library science, ordinary life, gets a job. Expenses go up faster than salary. She gets married. They start saving. She sees the writing on the wall. Jane and her husband start investing. Husband gets laid off. Government budget crunch. Jane's job is in danger. Will she keep her fortune? Will she continue to invest or is she going to start looking for a new job? And so on and so on and so on until she retires and discovers she's a millionaire. And closing credits, big swell of music, right? And can't wait for the sequel. Aunt Jane, retired millionaire, the sequel, right? Well, what Richard did was much more pared down, much more elegant, and I would say much more effective than that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10, and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book by the same name is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+. And you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriters Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriters Podcast program, already in progress. Yeah, so... Let me talk about demonstration stories. The first good thing about a demonstration story is that it quickly and effectively gets the prospect imagining they have the product or they are using the service you're offering. And this increases their desire. But there's a second good thing about a demonstration story, too. This is what I talked about earlier. If you are told a story that gets you imagining having the product, imagining enjoying the benefits, imagining having the advantage, imagining solving the problems that were so frustrating before, and then you don't have it. Then the little demonstration story is over. You have essentially created a takeaway close in your copy before you've even started your close. And a takeaway close probably works better than any other close. So the general rule for a takeaway close, the traditional way to do it is you get a prospect more and more and more and more and more and more, and more excited about having something, and then you tell them they can't have it after a deadline or after limited quantity is no longer available or at the same price after a certain date because the price goes up. And there are other versions of takeaway closes and it usually comes at the end, like I said. And it works like crazy because of human nature. People want what they are afraid they can't have. With these demonstration stories, you're doing a second level of takeaway because each time a prospect reads one, they quote unquote, have the product or service in their own mind, in their imagination. And then boom, story's over and it's gone. So with the jitterbug ad, you've got five demonstration stories. So you've got five takeaways before they even close. And then they don't have to close very hard. They end with a fairly simple and light close, which simply 
nudges the prospect off the fence. And it goes like this. Enough talk. Isn't it time you found out about the cell phone that's changing all the rules? Call now. Jitterbug product experts are standing by. By the way, if we've got some seniors who hate their cell phones and they're interested in this, you can go to jitterbugdirect.com. Now, little disclosure, I don't have any business relationship with this company, but I know, for example, like I said before, my girlfriend's parents would probably be interested in it. So you can see the power in these demonstration stories, right? Yeah, it reminds me of, I, I was recently reading uh, Cialdini's book, on persuasion and he talks about an experiment where they had cookie jars and it was the same cookie in the jars depending on who they were uh, testing the experiment on they would have 10 cookies or they would have two cookies and the people that got the jar with only two cookies rated the cookies as more desirable as better tasting than the people that got the 10 cookies and then they found that if they gave somebody the 10 cookies and then took eight of the cookies away and left them with only two those people with those two cookies would find them even more desirable than the people that only had two cookies to begin with so that taking away definitely increases the desirability of something once again dr cialdini scientifically proves what we know and gives it some respectability yeah all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and continue. Okay, sure. So how do you create your own demonstration story? They're incredibly easy to write, but there's a catch. There's always a catch, right? Here's the catch. You need to know your prospects well. I mean, really well. You need to know what's on their minds, what they're unhappy about with competing products, what they're afraid of, how they've been disappointed in the past. You know, you need to know, you need to have a roadmap of all the misery in their world around this kind of product, not yours, but all the competitors. And then, most important, you need to know how they talk about it. Because once you know that, you can simply state their objection or their complaint or their disappointment or their bitter admission in a sentence or two and then show how your product reverses that problem. So let's, let's do a quick example. Website software is too rigid and difficult to use. Okay, now let's do a little demonstration story. Quote, I used to go crazy trying to put a web page together, close quote. Well, with EasyWeb, I don't know if there's a product called EasyWeb, but this is for the imaginary version. With EasyWeb, you can put a professional-looking web page together in 10 minutes or less, and you have complete flexibility as to what it looks like, or you can use one of our six proven templates for your page if you don't want to design it yourself. Boom. Story. Complete. Demonstration story. And this kind of thing is easy to do if you know what's on the mind of your prospects, how they talk about it, and how what you offer solves the problem you're talking about. So the key to these stories is not the formula. The formula is pretty simple. And by now you should understand what it is. The key is knowing how to fill in the formula. That's unique in every situation. The only way you're going to be able to do that so it works is by knowing your prospects, ideally knowing them inside out. You can get this information a number of ways, by talking to prospects, by talking to customers. If you have salespeople, talk to them. If you have customer service people, ask them about the most common questions and complaints they hear and try and get this word for word. Then look on sites like Amazon where there are reviews. You'll find common themes if you read enough and you think about what you read. So in short, once you start to become an expert on your own customers, 
the copy almost starts to write itself. Yeah, this, uh, man, I, I just got to say, this has been such a powerful episode. I, I want to stop the recording right now and go work on my own copy uh, for Podcast Blast Off because you nailed so many things that I'm like, oh, I've got a weakness here on my sales page and I've just had a bunch of revelations on what I need to do to uh, tighten up my copy. So thank you for this. I have one question though, before we're out of here, I, sure. you use the word imagine a lot or imagination mm-hmm. in, in this, in today's episode, but not one of the examples that, that you read from had the word imagine or imagination in there. Um, what are your feelings about specifically using the word imagine to start off the imagination process in your, in your copy? It's a great question. Um, I think if you're talking about something aspirational or new, that's not real pragmatic and hands-on and quote unquote ordinary, then imagine could work. If, if you're talking about an exotic vacation or a personal growth thing, some new skills, a new career, a new life, um, you know, a new relationship situation, then it can work. But when you've got something that's a little more hands-on, more physical, more technical, more familiar, people already know about it. I don't think you need to. You're also sort of showing your hand when you use the word imagine. And you can see how uh, the four examples I gave, the three with the jitterbug and one with the imaginary web software, we never used that. But the way it's structured, the way this kind of story is structured, it automatically triggers the imagination. It's it's such a powerful structure, you don't need to use it. I, I say the less you know, you can make your copy seem woo-woo and uh, uh, you know, uh, phantasmagorical and and um, you know, amazing. Sometimes the the more ordinary and plain spoken it is, the better it works. Nice. All right. What do we have coming up next time, David? We have bullet points. Oh, I can't wait for that. Okay, sweet. This has been another episode of the Copywriters Podcast with David Garfinkel, the world's greatest copywriting coach. Head on over to Copywriters Podcast, get the show notes, get subscribed, rate and review the show over at iTunes. Until next time, we'll see you later. See you then. Hey, we're running a contest to promote the show, and one lucky winner gets a half-hour free consultation with me over the phone or Skype. Normally, people pay $750 for a half-hour consult with me. Now, we'll select the winner of this contest based on the best review posted on iTunes. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. In Episode 10, we'll announce the winner. So get subscribed and put in your rating and review today.